You know, Jesus said in John 10, verse 10, that the thief comes to what? To steal, kill, and destroy. But guess what? The moment you put your life in the hands of Jesus, that assignment is canceled. Canceled. The chains broke. The thief no longer has any right to steal from you, to kill your life, or to destroy your life. But when you put your faith in Jesus, the guilt of our sin and shame and condemnation, it is all transferred from us onto him. Jesus takes them onto himself. And he says, you are forgiven. You are free. You are righteous. You're redeemed. You're dearly loved. Death is arrested in your life. Now you get to truly live an abundant life, a free life, right? I'm sorry, that's more exciting news than it's feeling in here. That's good news. Good news about Jesus. The person I was when I walked in here this morning, I don't have to be that same person when I walk out these doors because Jesus is here. And guess what? He ain't in this building. This is just two by fours and drywall. There's nothing special about this building. Wherever you go out there, that is a moment where Jesus will meet you and do a good work in your life. A good, good work. He has good things in store for us. At this time, we're going to release the kiddos, ages 7 to 12, back to Children's Church. Be blessed. Have a great time. Bye, Anna. You're gone. Out of here. Later. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Clayton, isn't graduation so much fun? Aren't you so glad you graduated out of Children's Church? Now you get to look at my ugly mug the rest of the time. Sorry. Adulting isn't fun. You know, we, we, we love graduation seasons. I know we've got a senior in high school this year, and, you know, we're already ordering caps and gowns and stuff. Like, it's like they just started school. Come on. But anyways, it's a coming. Like it or not, adulthood is coming. Maturing is coming. And it's, it's no different in our spiritual lives. You know, we get excited when we graduate into greater things. When we transition into a greater glory in the kingdom, greater revelation, you know, they're exciting things. But with those things also comes a greater responsibility, right? A greater responsibility. You know what the awesome part is about Jesus? That it's not like this world. In this world, when you adult, you're kind of on your own, you know? But when you adult in the kingdom of God, he's got your back. You're never alone. He's there with you and for you. Look, I'm putting people asleep already there. I love it. <laughs> love a new life. Love a new life. All right. But before I get started this morning, I've got to actually um, add an important correction to last week's message. Can you believe that your pastor got up here? And he, he said something along these lines. Jesus did a very unexpected thing. Just imagine that. I mean, he, 
obediently gave his life on the cross. He was exalted, given the name above every name, seated at the right hand of the Father. And what does Jesus do in this high, exalted, lifted up, a place of all power, all authority? He's like, I miss my buddies. I'm going back down there. Literally. Jesus appeared to them over and over and over again. He just kept showing up. He enjoyed living life together with his friends. I can't imagine being seated in heaven and yet choosing to return to this earth, right? But who knows, maybe he was a little concerned for them or, you know, he just wanted to be there with them and for them through that season of uncertainty. So he kept showing up. Um, and, and so that is a partial truth. <laughs> Although Jesus was, he was resurrected again on the third day. We all know that's true, right? Your pastor preached last week that he immediately ascended into heaven, was seated at the right hand of the Father, and then he returned back to earth. Well, that's not a biblically accurate timing of events here, so bear with me here. So I'm going to correct myself. My, my beautiful bride is like, you gotta look into that. That doesn't seem right. That's not how I remember it going down. And she was right. My wife was right. I was wrong, okay? <laughs> and it's recorded so she can revel in this moment for the rest of our life. So enjoy it, right? <laughs> um, the, the biblically accurate um, timeline of events was yes, Jesus resurrected on the third day. But he didn't ascend into heaven for at least 40 days. We're going to take a look at it in the biblical text. Um, so, yeah, he didn't ascend into heaven, then come back and hang out with his buddies. He rose from the dead. He resurrected. Then he just hung out with his buddies. You know, he didn't actually ascend until 40 days later. We find this in Acts chapter 1. Don't you love the word of God? Like, it's, it's always true, and I'm not always true. So, anyways... Acts chapter 1, we're going to start right in verse 1 because it's so good. It's good, good stuff. Um, and um, so we see here, we believe that this is Luke that wrote this. We don't know for certain. But he said in my former book, Theophilus, I'm going to, I'm sorry, I'm having a glucose moment. It's like I was having a hard time making change there yesterday. I'm going to get tripped up on my words, but it's really all right. He said, I wrote to you all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. After his suffering, we know the, you know, the, the um, you know, crucifixion, the cross, all that suffering. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He kept reappearing, hanging out with his buddies, the apostles, proving to them that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, Je Jesus liked to eat, by the way. Yeah, I'm just being more Christ-like. Yeah, I'll keep telling myself that. The doctor doesn't buy it. But anyways, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, okay? Put this in your brain for a second, because we're going to come back to this in, in a few uh, uh, minutes here. Do not leave Jerusalem. Don't do it. Stay where you're at, okay? Yeah, that, that, that place where they just, like, tortured and crucified him, you know? It's, um, oh, it's all good, but thank you. I'll be all right. <laughs> I really appreciate it. 
It is a blessing. Um, he said to stay there, and he gave them this command. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. OCC, right? Wait for the gift. Because there's a lot that comes with a gift. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. I talked to you about this. Listen, pay attention. It's a gift that my father promised. He said, John baptized you with water. You got wet. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so if ever, anybody ever tells you the baptism of the Holy Spirit is unbiblical, I mean, Jesus said it right here. I mean, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, like it's right there and it's many other places as well. Then they gather around him and they're like, Lord, are you at that time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Because they're ready to take it on, kick some Roman butt, right? They want to kick that Roman booty out of there. They're Israelites, they're Jews. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times, the dates the Father set by his own authority. People get so tripped up in times and dates and when things are going to happen. Jesus said, you're not going to know. It's not for you to know. That's not your job. Your job is to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses. This is your job. You be witnesses. Empowered witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. How cool is that that you were a witness to South Africa? You were a witness to, it's just so awesome to think about. Trinidad and Tobago, so awesome. You were a witness. After he said this, this is after about 40 days and everything. Then he was taken up. Before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They're looking intently up to the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, and they said, Men of Galilee, you stand here. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? Why are you staring like this? Why are you standing here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, he will come back in the same way that you have seen him go. So there's a biblically accurate um, timing of events here. And if you're still in your Bible in Acts chapter 1, flip a few pages back or a little, whoosh, 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 you know, in your, in your app. Um, swipe on back to Luke chapter 24. That's where we're going to spend some time this morning. So cool to think about. Um, this morning we're going backwards a few chapters to, to remember the times that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he rose again from the grave. Because Christianity is not a faith that has to be blindly accepted. Christianity is a faith that has evidence. There is evidence. And if, if you've never, if, if you're a, a, you know, just a person who needs that evidence, um, what's his name, uh, Strobel? Um, Lee, yes, Lee Strobel, thank you. <laughs> I might need some help this morning. I love that. It's interactive, right? I don't know where we come up with this, this model of things where someone preaches at you. I like discussion and interaction, but anyways, may, maybe later on we'll go back to that model. Yeah, good stuff. Um, but he, he put out this book series and DVD series, and just jump on YouTube and check it out. But he put out these, these cases for Christ, for the resurrection, you know. It, it just lays out the evidence. It happened. Jesus didn't want them to just blindly accept it by faith. He literally showed up in the flesh he physically showed up, and he's like, hey, guys, what's up? That's what we're going to read about again this morning. We learned about it last week. We're going back there today uh, to a few more incidents where this happened. Um, the biggest lesson for us to take away from these accounts is that we have to be more discerning 
about Jesus, more discerning about what God is doing in our midst. Because it is so easy for us in this life to get overwhelmed by life, to, to get so caught up in our emotions and the things that we're dealing with that we forget to discern, okay, God, you promised to never leave me or forsake me. You promised to be here with me. You promised to never let me be tempted beyond what I can bear. Like, so what are you doing? Why are you letting this happen? What are you trying to do through this? If we were more discerning about Jesus, about what God is doing, we would respond differently. We wouldn't go into fits of rage. We wouldn't be exhausted all the time. We wouldn't do all these acts of the flesh, right? Um, we would be more apt to be at peace, to be gentle and kind, to be patient. All these things that we want to be that we ain't, right? <laughs> to discern Jesus. That's the lesson that, that we take away from these accounts where Jesus shows up in unexpected ways. Because it's not only the resurrected Jesus that shows up in many unexpected ways. Read through the whole Old Testament. Read through the whole New Testament. God shows up in human history in some of the most unexpected times and some of the most unexpected ways. And we as humans are so quick to discount God. I don't know how many times I've read through, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and been like, well, Jesus ain't very Christ-like. But he, it was Jesus, so it was Christ-like. I got to change my thinking, right? To understand really who Jesus really is. So Luke chapter 24, we're going to go back. Um, to the third day after Jesus gave his life on the cross to pay the cost of our sin, pay a debt that he didn't owe. That's the only reason that he can give that and impart that gift to you um, of our salvation, forgiveness of sins, his grace, his mercy. Um, he literally formed a brand new covenant with us. Remember, we learned about that last week uh, with, um, as we participated in communion. This is how it was fulfilled not eradicated, not, not wrong, but just fulfilled. In Luke chapter 24, we're going to start right at verse 1. It's a good place to start, right? On the first day of the week, another good place to start, right? <laughs> first day of the week. Very early in the morning, I, I don't like that. <laughs> I, I'm a night person. I'll stay up till 4 in the morning, but don't try to wake me up at 5 in the morning, you know? I'm, that's just who I am. Ask my wife, it drives her nuts. You know, she's a morning person, a night person, so we're always crossing ways. But anyways, as is life in the Kramer household. Um, <laughs> on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices that they had prepared and they went to the tomb. This was not typical in Judaic culture. They, they did not, um, you know how we embalm people and things, they didn't do this. But they so wanted to honor and show their adoration and their love for Jesus. They wanted to go and honor him in some way. And so they decided to prepare these spices and go into, um, you know, kind of, in, that's their embalming process at the time, his body. When they arrived in verse 2, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about all of this, suddenly two men in clothes, they gleamed like lightning, stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Again, your discernment's off. What are you doing here? The same way the angels are like, why are you staring into heaven? 
You know, the, why are you trying to figure out times and, and, and dates? Why, why are you doing this? They're like, why are you surprised? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember, he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. Remember the word of God. Remember what God said was happening here. This is what Jesus said about himself. He said, the son of man must be delivered over to the hand of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. He said this many, many, many times, even that's recorded in the Bible. So you can imagine how many more times he said it that it's not recorded. Um, parents get this, right? How many times you got to say something before your kids get it and understand it? It's like how many licks does it take to get the center of a, a Tootsie Pop? I, nobody knows. It's just, it's a mystery. <laughs> Apparently one more time. That's my, that's, that's at least the, my experience. You got to say it at least one more time before they get it. Then in verse 8, it says, then they remembered his words. Like, ah, oh, that's right. He did say that. He, he said about, yeah, the crucifixion. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to raise again. And on the third day, they remembered. Why? Because no word of God will ever fail, right? Right? How awesome is that? No word of God will ever fail. He said that it's going to happen. May not be when you want it to or how you want it to, but it's going to happen. So that's what we stand on. Not our understanding, not our ways. We stand on his word and his ways and his timing because it's perfect. Perfect every time. Um, and... It's funny because Jesus often spoke about this, but they didn't understand it. They didn't get it, but they were about to. In verse 9, we continue on. When they came back from the tomb, the women, they told all these things to the eleven. Because you guys know what happened to the twelfth, right? Remember Judas committed suicide, just awful tragedy. <sighs> Don't give up. Don't give up because the third day's coming, Right? Don't give up short of the promise, of the fulfillment. Don't give up when you don't understand. It's okay to not understand what God's up to. All of us are there. <laughs> they were absolutely there. They were clueless about what was happening. Even though he bluntly told them what was happening, they're still clueless about it. So hang in there. Don't give up. Don't be like Judas. Be like the 11. Just, 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 just. I don't know what you're doing, God, but here I am, and you keep doing you. <laughs> you just keep doing you, God, okay? I'm, I'm, I don't get it, but I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. And it says in verse 12, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and others who were with them, who told this to the apostles, but the apostles did not believe the women. Can you imagine that, a guy not believing a woman? Does that ever happen? Guys, you ever doubt your spouse? I mean... I don't know why that's a theme this morning. I didn't even plan that out. Holy Spirit's talking to somebody in this crowd here this morning. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Love it. All right, anyways, um, try to stick to the topic here. They didn't believe the women. Why? Because their word seems like nonsense. It didn't make any sense. It seemed like nonsense. It's literally what it says here in verse 11. All the, but listen, this is what the women's words were. They repeated what Jesus had said. They repeated what Jesus had told these apostles many, many times. Yet it seemed like nonsense to them. They were speaking what they personally experienced. This just done happened. I just returned from the tomb. This happened, and yet it seemed like nonsense to them. 
Let's be honest. How many times have you been in a church service and you're looking at somebody and you're like, that there's nonsense. I don't understand what is happening here. What is wrong with them? What is going on? Like, it seems like nonsense, right? But don't discount it so quickly. God may be just doing a powerful work right in front of your face. It was still a bunch of nonsense to the apostles, and they refused to believe it. They refused to believe it. So just because it seems like nonsense to us, just because we can't grasp it or understand how what is happening could possibly be God at work, that doesn't mean it's not God at work. Right? If it doesn't contradict his word, then let's just quote, well, this is a quote of a quote of a quote, I don't know if you, any of you guys are, anyways, I won't go there. I won't go into my personal fandom, my geekdom. Romans chapter 3, verse 4. Um, Romans chapter 3, verse 4, Paul is quoting from Psalm 51, 4. So I'm quoting Paul, who's quoting David, okay? You're, you're hearing this like fourth hand, but anyways. Paul said this, let God be true and every human being a liar, <laughs> okay? He made it pretty blunt. Let's just let God be true, and, and, and I'm a liar, okay? As it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak, and prevail when you judge. Speaking you of God. So let's just let God be God, not lean into our own understanding. There's a proverb about that, right? You're not supposed to lean into your own understanding. You're supposed to just trust. Again, our job is to trust God and what he says. Our job is not to make sense of it. Our job is just to trust. I've, I've told my kids many things many times that made no sense to them at the time. And then later I'm like, yeah, you remember when I told you about this? Oh, yeah. Right? Like, brake pads. When you hear the squeal, you know they're getting puny. When you hear the grind, you know they're gone. When you try to stop to avoid the deer and you got no brakes to stop in time and you smash the deer a $40 problem became a $7,000 problem right <laughs> and I'm not saying that's ever happened in our household by any means this is not a first-hand account right <laughs> how much easier would our lives be if we just trusted God if we didn't have to learn the hard way right I'm going to confess before you this morning, I learned the hard way, right? I am not quick to listen. I try to make sense of everything. I'm very analytical. Let go of it. Just trust what God says. Amen? All right, so they don't believe these women. They don't believe it at all. They don't get it. They don't understand it. But there's one apostle, even though it says here he didn't believe it, he had to see for himself. He needed the evidence. He needed the proof. Our good old Peter, we talked about last week, right? Simon. Simon Peter. So Peter, in verse 12, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen laying there by themselves. He went away wondering to himself what could have happened. <laughs> he was just told what happened, but he's still wondering about what happened, right? Then... On that same day, same day, in verse 13, two of the apostles were going to a village called Emmaus. What were they told to do by Jesus in the flesh? Don't leave Jerusalem. What are they doing? 
leaving Jerusalem. You gotta wonder how many times Jesus just face palms and he's like, seriously, come on, what are you doing? I know my life causes him to do that all the time. He's like, what are you doing? Come on, we talked about this, didn't we? Where are you going? What are you up to? And so they're, they're on the road to a village called Emmaus. It's seven miles from Jerusalem. Literally in the text here, it calls out how far they are leaving Jerusalem. Seven miles. They were talking to each other about everything that just happened. Like, these women are crazy. What are they thinking? But uh, there's nobody there. And Peter, what's his deal? He's, he's agreeing with them now. And just, they just didn't understand. So they're talking about it. And it says, as they talked, as they discussed these things with each other, in verse 15, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Remember that last week? They're sitting down to breakfast with Jesus. Not one of them dared ask if it was him. They just knew it was him. Even though he physically appeared differently, apparently. That, that's my, my interpretation of these events. They're kept from recognizing him. Some dude comes up and starts walking alongside of them. They just spent three years, night and day, living their lives with this man. He walks up beside them and they don't recognize him. Think about that. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, the elders of the law, the, the scholars, they, they spent their lives studying the word of God. But when it stood nose to nose, face to face with them, they said, he's a demon, he's a blasphemer, kill him, crucify this thing. They didn't recognize him. If all of these people, way smarter than me, who physically walked with Jesus, could physically be with Jesus and not recognize him, how much more quickly could we miss God right in our midst? Miss what Jesus is doing right here among us. I don't want to be one to miss out. I want to discern what he's doing. I want to have eyes to see him. I want to have ears to hear him. But I'm not. I miss it, right? Think about this. Jacob, all that he had was a dream. I'm going old school now. I'm jumping Old Testament. Actually, back to Genesis 28. Jacob just had a dream. And it said when, in Genesis 28, 16, when he woke up from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I'm not aware of it. It was a now word. Surely God is here in this place. And I'm just not aware of it. Because he came to him in a dream. He would have walked right through that place and completely missed God. Because he didn't discern it. If we could miss it so quickly. <sighs> I don't understand. But we do. In verse 17. So Jesus asked him. What are you guys talking about? What are you talking about as you're uh, walking along here? And it says at that point when he asked that question, they stood still. Their faces were downcast. One of them, Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here in these past few days? You're asking Jesus. He done gone and lived it. And they're asking him, are you the only one who hasn't heard what's happening? And Jesus asked, what things? Like, he's just egging them on. He's pushing their buttons, you know. I love this about Jesus. He wanted to know, but I think that the reason he was prodding and questioning, 
he really wanted to know where they were at. What are you thinking right now? What are you feeling right now? What's going on? Why are you not believing everything I said, even though it happened right before your eyes? And so Jesus asked, what things? And they replied about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and before all the people. The chief priests, our own rulers, they handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's now the third day since all this took place. And then in addition, some of our women just amazed us. They went to his tomb early in the morning, but they didn't find his body. Then they came and they told us that they had seen a vision of angels who told them that he was alive. Then some of our companions, they went to the tomb and they found it, just as the woman had said. But they didn't see Jesus. <laughs> Can you imagine being Jesus in this moment? And anyways, this for real happened. This isn't some, you know, story or fairy tale. This, this is a historical account of what took place. And then he said to them, How foolish are you? How slow you are to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all of the scriptures about himself. <laughs> about himself. <sighs> Gave him a little history lesson. Don't we love history, Megan? We love history, right? Yeah. I, I don't, but it's different when you're living it, right? Okay, then it says, so he's a very long-winded, very long sermon. He went through the whole Old Testament. Can you imagine? I'm going through like one chapter. He went through the whole Old Testament with them on that road. From memory, by the way, because he's the living Word of God. He knows the Word of God. He wrote the Word of God. Then it says, as they approached the village to which they were going, do you see this? They were sinning. They were disobeying. They were walking away from where Jesus told them to stay. But what did he do? He went with them. He didn't stop them and say, you idiot, turn around and go back where I told you to go. He walked with them. He helped them to understand what was happening, why they were so downcast. He was trying to get them to hope again. He was trying to encourage them. He wasn't beating up on them. He was just trying to get them to understand what was happening. And he walked with them the whole way to this village. And then Jesus continued on as if though he was going further in verse 28. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. It's nearly evening. Day's almost over. They didn't have electricity back then. And, you know, so just to stay for a little while. So he went in and he stayed with them. While he was at the table with them, hear this account. We learned about it last week. He took bread he broke it, and he gave thanks. Sound familiar? There's something powerful, life-transforming about a memory. A memory that happened decades ago can rush in to meet you here and now and completely change your life, change your perspective. That's why it's so important 
when you have dreams, when you have visions, when you hear words from God, write them down. It may make no sense to you right now, but years later, you may be like, oh, wait a second. I remember dreaming about this very moment. This took place. And wait, 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 God said something about it. He was doing something about this. And then you go back and it's like, oh, wow, that's so awesome. He knew this was going to happen. Like, oh, yeah, I love it when that happens, by the way. Yes. Value God's word, what he speaks to you. Write it down. Record it. You never know when you're going to need it. It may be prophetic, speaking about a time yet to come. So, powerful, powerful memory here. He took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, they recognized him, and poof, he disappears from their sight. <laughs> That's all he needed them to do. He just needed them to recognize, I'm still with you. My promises are still yes and amen. The gift is still yours. You're not where you're supposed to be, but it's still yours. It's just amazing, though. Just a memory, just a, just a sound, just a smell, just a song, you know, how it can transport you back there. That's exactly what, what Jesus did here. He took advantage of that memory to help them to recognize him and to discern what was happening. So in these end days especially, right, it is so critically important for us to have discernment. It is a spiritual gift. God will give it to you if you ask for it. To give you discernment, to discern Jesus here in our midst. Crazy things are happening in the world. Jesus said these are only the birthing pains, okay? The contractions are coming. It's going to get worse before it gets better. But, I don't know because I never experienced it, but according to the three children that my wife birthed, you know, um, it, it gets more and more intense. But if you focus on the pain, you'll forget that there's something beautiful happening in the midst of that pain. And it's not until it comes to pass and you give birth and then it's like, ah, all of a sudden, like all that pain, just whatever. She wasn't acting like she was in pain at all. She was just amazed at the little baby, you know, just amazing, you know. Every single one of them. Nate was a teeny tiny little kid at one point, you know. It's just awesome to think about. <laughs> he slept just about as much, you know, but. <laughs> I'm sorry, you got to hate being a pastor's kid. <laughs> he wishes they didn't change his work schedule and that he worked this morning now, right? <laughs> sorry, bud. I love you. I love you. But anyways. So this happens, they were taken back. It is so important for us, as Jesus said, to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Otherwise, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss what I'm saying. You're going to miss what I'm doing. You're hearing it, but you're not understanding it. You're seeing it, but you're not discerning it. Do you understand how that can happen? We call it gaslighting, right? No, but, but honestly, you can see Jesus and not see Jesus. You can hear him but not hear him. You, you get that? You can hear, not understand, see, not discern. Okay, anyways, I'm moving on. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us as he talked with us back on the road when he opened up the scriptures to us? Oftentimes, the Holy Spirit's discernment, spiritual discernment is just a gut feeling. Just, just your heart's burning within you. You just, you just know that this is God. Even though you can't make any sense of it, can't explain it. It's kind of like speaking in tongues. 
Paul said, you're speaking a bunch of gibberish and the mind is unfruitful. Doesn't understand what you're saying, right? But the Spirit is interceding for you. Romans chapter 8 says the Spirit is interceding. He, he knows your heart and he knows the mind of God. And he's just interceding perfectly with, with groans and utterances that we don't understand. Because I'm stupid. Sometimes God has to bypass my mind and the Spirit just has to pray for me. Because all I'm going to pray is a bunch of stuff that's no good, you know. Sometimes it's, 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 it's just that move of the Spirit. But a lot of times that discernment is just that gut feeling. They said our hearts were burning within us. That's how they discerned that it was, it was God speaking. Even though they didn't see Jesus, they were discerning that it was him speaking. Um, sorry, then I, I, I got to continue on here. Then verse 33 says, they got up. Guess what they did? At once, they returned to Jerusalem. They discerned that was Jesus. We're going back. We're going to do this. I don't think you guys understand how serious this is. Do you know what just happened in Jerusalem? They just killed Jesus. And they just said they're going to kill any of his followers. They're going to stop this movement. They've had enough of this nonsense. They don't want anyone to speak the name of Jesus, if you haven't read the New Testament. Their life was on the line. But because they saw Jesus, because they discerned Jesus, they said, you know what? We're going back. We're going back. Jesus is with us and for us. He's proven it, right? Give Jesus a chance to prove himself sometimes. Sometimes that's all we got to do. Just give him a chance to prove himself. Let go of your understanding and just do it. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together. And they said, it is true. Jesus is risen. He did appear to Simon. Then the two told everything that happened along the way, how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke bread. You would think this would be enough to settle it for them, right? They said, it's true. He is alive. He did die and raise again. What Peter said is true. What the women said is true. It happened. You think they finally got it, right? Read the next verse. Well, they were still talking about this. It's true. We get it. We understand it. This is awesome. Well, they were still talking about this. Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. They were startled. They were frightened. They figured it to be a ghost. <laughs> I can so relate to this group of people. You know what the, the leaders looked at these guys and, and said in, in Acts chapter 3? These are common, unschooled, ordinary men. But you know what was different about them? They had been with Jesus. They were found guilty of being with Jesus. These dudes ain't the brightest tools in the shed, sharpest tools in the shed here. They're not the brightest in the bunch, but they've been with Jesus. It's all you need. All you need, be with Jesus. Let him be him. But I just can't believe how quickly they missed it. They were terrified. They were startled. They were frightened. And Jesus said to them, why are you so troubled? Why again are you doubting in your mind? He said, why are doubts raising up in your minds? Look at my hands and feet. It's I. It's myself. Touch and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as you see that I have. 
Okay, can I, can I slip into sci-fi, Steve? Jesus didn't say there ain't no such thing as ghosts, did he? Okay. Think about that one for a while. There's a lot of encounters through the scriptures. But anyways, didn't say ghosts ain't real. What are you talking about? He just said ghosts don't have flesh and blood like I do. See, my hands, my feet, it's me. You don't believe it? Come touch me. You know, I'm him. I'm Jesus. They were so quick. They were in the middle of saying it's true. And then they doubted mid-sentence when he showed up in front of them again. This is so significant. It just blows me away, you know? They didn't discern Jesus when he's standing there in the flesh. When he had said all of this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe him. Read it in your Bible. Any translation. Verse 39. I'm sorry, verse 41. They still didn't believe them, but why didn't they believe him? Because of their emotions. This time... It was because of joy and excitement. It was too good to be true. They were too excited. They were too overjoyed. You see, often we think the only emotions that will lie to us are fear, doubt, discouragement, all the negative emotions. But did you know when God warned his people not to forget him? It wasn't when things got bad and they were down and discouraged. Did you know when God warned them not to forget about him? When things were good, when they were blessed, when they were happy. Good emotions can cause us to not discern Jesus. This literally just happened. They didn't believe Jesus. I mean, they're standing there in the flesh. They didn't believe him because of their joy and excitement. If you don't believe me, look at verse 42. It's right there. It's crazy. We can miss it so easily. Even good emotions can cause a lack of understanding and a lack of judgment within us. Sometimes when life is going good, we think we're in the center of God's will for our life because we're being blessed, right? Life's good. I'm happy. Therefore, this is God's will for me. You could still be missing it. You could still be in a state of sin because we don't rely on our emotions. We rely on God's word for truth. We lean not onto our own understanding. We trust him. And then we're going to finish out here. He said to them, going back to what I said earlier, y'all got anything to eat? <laughs> Don't take my word for it. It's right here written. It's literally what he said. Y'all got anything to eat? Well, I said you all. He says, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and he ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything has to be fulfilled. What was written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, your whole Old Testament. Thumbs up. It's good. It's valid. So much good in it. There's nothing wrong with it. But guess what? There's now something better. Jesus fulfilled it all. He said, now there's a new covenant. Just have faith in me. It was always about faith. It was always about faith in God, the whole Old Testament. Everything that they did was all in faith. And what do we do? Everything we do is to be in faith. Jesus said, you got to do two things, and you'll do everything right. All the Old Testament you'll do right if you love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love others. Love. Love God, love others. You fulfill it. He simplified it. I love it. That's what Jesus said while he was still with them. Then he opened their minds. Oh, I'm sorry. He didn't do that yet. He opened their minds 
so they could understand the scriptures. You see, they knew the scriptures. They could quote it, but they didn't understand the scriptures. They didn't live it. When it was happening before their eyes, they didn't discern it. We have to be more discerning about God in our midst. I believe that revival's about to break out. Crazy things are going to happen. The Bible says that things you can't even think, ask, or imagine. Those are the things God has planned and prepared for us. Things are going to blow your mind. Things that have never happened before in the history of mankind. He said that literally God's word says those are the things that are going to happen. So guess what? You're not going to understand it. But we're not going to say this isn't God. If it doesn't contradict his word, then it just might be God. Let's just trust God and let him do his weird freaky thing and whatever he's doing and we'll see what the fruits of it are. That's what we judge by, right? What the fruits of those things are. It's not enough to just read God's word, be able to quote it. We got to allow Jesus to open our minds. You see, Christians say, nope, 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 you got to be closed-minded. Don't think for yourself, right? But Jesus said, Open your mind, please. Open your mind so that I can bring you understanding. Break off the spirit of religion and open your mind to understand my word so that you can live it to its full, so that it can happen among you. Because the author of it, the Holy Spirit, dwells within us. He can lead us from knowledge to understanding, from understanding to wisdom, from wisdom to living it out rightly. He can lead us through this process if we just let him be God. In fact, Jesus said in verse 46, he told them, this is what was written, Messiah would suffer, rise from the dead on the third day, and the repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in the name of Jesus to all nations, starting in Jerusalem. And you are the witnesses of these things. And I'm going to send you what my father promised. But stay in this city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So dear Theophilus, these are the things that Luke wrote about. That he was reminding him of in the book of Acts, right? Then what I got wrong before happened. Verse 50. When he had led them out... To the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and he was taken up into heaven. They worshipped him. They returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Do you understand who was at the temple? They went into the house of their enemies. They went into the courts of the people. <laughs> I can't imagine that. I was convicted guilty once of a traffic ticket. I rear-ended somebody. I went to court, and hearing that you're guilty is not fun in court. They went in the same court that they were found guilty of their sin in. And they were knowing that they would physically be facing death because they were disciples of Jesus. They went into that place that stood against them in every way it could possibly stand against them. And they gave Jesus praise. They worshipped Jesus in the presence of their enemies. Fear was gone. They weren't afraid for their lives anymore because Jesus had rose again from the grave. And he said that there was a future for them. Stay in Jerusalem. I'm going to give you a gift. The gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Just stay here until you receive it. 
They knew there was a future in Jesus, so they weren't afraid. They knew that they would be protected from their enemies because they haven't yet received the fullness of the promise. How powerful is that? They were able to worship. This life, genuine life transformation took place. This was even before the outpouring and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. This is before they even received it. But because they were with Jesus, that was enough to transform their thinking. That was enough to transform their lives, to cast all fear, all doubt out. And they were able to give praise and worship in the presence of their enemies. Now openly and with abandonment to self, they praise God. They worship Jesus right before those who threaten to take their lives. And this morning, Jesus wants to do that same work in our lives. He wants to cast out all fear, all anxiety, all worry, all doubt, all oppression. He wants it all gone from your life so that you are free to give him praise and worship. So you are free to walk into every one of his promises, even in the presence of your enemies. He doesn't want us to miss out on any of his plans and purposes and promises for our lives. All that we have to do is discern him, discern Jesus. What are you doing through this? Everything he does is good. Doesn't mean what you're going through is going to be good. But he has promised in Romans again, chapter 8, to work it all together for good. He's going to bring good out of it. The word of God in, in Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 61, promises that he can bring beauty from ashes. He can bring life from death. And if you doubt it, he did it. That's, there's a cross up here, but it's empty, right? He did it. He is the author. He is the pioneer of your faith. He has gone ahead of you. The reason we can trust him is because he's already done it. And the evidence is there. In fact, the word of God says that after he rose from the grave, he appeared to over 500 people. He wanted to make sure the evidence was well recorded and documented. He was alive. That's why what I preached last week was not true. He didn't go straight to heaven. Why? He wanted the evidence to remain. He wanted it to be written in his word so that this is world history not a fairy tale if he is risen again from the grave think about what he can raise again to life in your life think about the hopes and dreams that he can stir back up and fan into flame again because it's not over yet right all right so let's close in prayer a hopeful prayer an excited prayer a joyful prayer because he's alive he is risen Woo. Jesus, we thank you for going before us. We thank you that you said when we've seen you, we've seen the Father. You have fully revealed your kingdom to us, and you have fully flung the doors wide open. There is nothing separating us from you any longer. Thank you, Jesus, for the hope. And the joy that you give, that even in the midst of trials and persecution and suffering, we can have hope because we know that we are in your hands. Everything you do is good because you are good. It is your character, your nature. It's who you are. And we thank you, Jesus, for the good that you are doing in our lives. We thank you for the good that you want to do 
through our lives, Lord. Help us to leave this place changed. Help us to leave this place transformed by you the way the apostles were. Shaking off all that fear and worry. Living life abundantly. Being a witness for you, Jesus, to all those around us. That they can see there's a difference in our lives. And it isn't us, it's you. Jesus, help people to see you when they see me. Even when I'm a mess, help them to see you. <laughs> and your goodness, even through my mistakes and failures and my messes, Lord. Let you be true in my life. And we just thank you that you are alive. That you have poured out your Holy Spirit within us so that we're never alone. We are never abandoned. We are your children adopted into your family. We thank you for it all and for so much more that you are doing in your name. Jesus, name above every name. Amen. Amen. Go out there and enjoy this blessed life, right? Woo!